This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, podcast fans? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 101 of the Moranalytics podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 12th, 2019. Thank you, as always, for listening and downloading. If you have not subscribed yet, please go ahead and do so. You can also rate and review this show. It really, really helps us out tremendously. Coming up on today's show, I have an interview with WIVB-TV Channel 4 Sports Director Josh Reed. He'll be my guest today. I've never talked to Josh before this, so I was very much looking forward to the conversation. He definitely did not disappoint. It was a good one. Very talented guy. I and mean, we do all the standard stuff that I do with my sports media guests. We talk about his life and his career growing up. He grew up in Ohio in this case. Went to Kent State for college. He worked in Maryland and Pennsylvania before settling into Buffalo in 2015. But beyond that, I mean, listen, Josh is a really, really good storyteller. Very entertaining. Told a couple stories in particular that I really enjoyed. One of them was when he tried dropping out in college and his father was having none of it. Got him a job doing bending steel. (laughs) He did not like it. He let you know that. And it really helped him. It set the tone for him going back to school and becoming a much better student. That's a really cool story he had. And he also has another cool story about Whitey Ford, the New York Yankees Hall of Fame legendary pitcher. Good story. Funny. Has to do with Yogi Berra. Really entertaining stuff. Good interview. I'll have that for you with Josh in just a couple minutes. Immediately after that, I got my man Aaron Quinn from Cover One back on for another segment, kind of becoming a regular on my Tuesday shows, and that's for good reason. I really like talking to Aaron, especially when it comes to football. He's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to football, and he has some really good takes, so I pick his brain on a lot of things. Buffalo Bills, free agency, a crazy, crazy start around the league to free agency. I mean, not that it's a surprise, but still, the money just getting thrown around. Man, crazy. And free agency technically doesn't even start till tomorrow. Although legal tampering started on Monday. The unofficial tampering, of course, started long before that. But anyway, we talk about the Bills and what they're up to. We talk about some of these crazy deals going around the league. We talk about the Antonio Brown shit that happened between him and the Bills last Thursday. The Ian Rappaport NFL Network report that came out late Thursday that had Buffalo in a tizzy crazy shit. We talk about all that, plenty more. Got that coming up as well. And typically, I like to give you a quick programming note, maybe have one or two topics that I like to hit on, and then get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. 
Not going to be the case today. I got a packed show, two big interviews. So let's not waste any time. Let's dive headfirst right into today's podcast. Here's my interview with WIVB TV Sports Director Josh Reed, followed immediately by Cover One's Aaron Quinn. Okay, my guest today is a sports director at WIVB TV Channel 4, a position he's had since coming to Buffalo from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in the summer of 2015. I'm talking about Josh Reed. What's going on, Josh? How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Josh Reed, not the former Bills wide receiver. I feel like I have to say that the first time I'm on with anybody because <laughs> they all go, hey, a former Bills receiver. And I still get that on Twitter every once in a while when people will be like, hey, glad to see you stuck around Buffalo. And I'm like, oh, not the same guy. Well, two things. Number one, when you first came here, that was my first thought right away. I'm like, Josh Reed, the receivers got, got a job at Channel 4. That was my first thought. Here's my second thought. That's probably not a good thing. I remember this. I, I like Josh Reed as a person. I'm talking about the football player. But I remember interviewing him once. And to this day, if anyone ever says, who, what's the worst interview you've ever had? I would say Josh Reed. I don't know if you've ever interviewed him before. But I remember talking to him and asking him, like, I had a whole notebook full of questions. And, like, every answer was, like, a one-word answer, one-sentence answer at the most. Good guy, good football player. Not the best interview, though. So then there's only one way to take the Josh Reed name, and that's up, I guess. For me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so I want to keep the same format with you that I have for most of my sports media guests, and it's kind of going back to the beginning. I want fans to get a chance to know you a little bit better. So let's go right back to the beginning. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was born in a small town just outside of Canton, Ohio, called Beloit, Ohio. Um, you know, that's, you know, where I was born and raised, and... Uh, yeah, it's small town. Went uh, graduated with 250 people, just, just right around a thousand people in the entire high school. Um, was fortunate enough not to get too Al Bundy on you for those people who know who Al Bundy is, but you know, was fortunate enough to um, you know played started at wide receiver and say you know and played some safety for the high school football team and won a state title and. You know, uh -huh. went 14 and 0 and the whole thing. And in Ohio, that's that's a that's a pretty big deal. It was the first high school state championship in in the high school's history. So it was it was kind of cool because it was one of those small town Ohio things where last one out of the town to the football game shut the lights out type right. of town. So it was sure. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Who were a few of your favorite athletes as a as a kid? Were a couple of teams that you really followed when you were a kid? No, I mean I was all Cleveland. You know, I you know, I was a huge Cavaliers fan. I was I I, well, I wanted nothing more than to be the next Mark Price. Oh, I love because, Mark Price. Because he was so relatable. Yeah. You know, yeah, big time. You know, he he looked like a guy. He it wasn't like I was watching when you know when you see, you know, Shaq. You know, like I, like I could never be Shaq. Like, right. That was never going to happen. But, you know, me, I could look at Mark Price and go, I could be that guy. You know, <laughs> now, meanwhile, I had no shot at being that guy. Right. But but that was, yeah, Mark Price was was one of my guys. Um, Jim Tomey, you know, because the Cleveland Indians were really good when I was growing up. So so Jim Tomey was a, was a big uh, fan favorite for me. I also liked... Um, you know, I was a big fan of the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner were huge for me growing up. I, you know, I always thought they were the best. So, yeah, that, those were kind of my guys. That's really cool. Now, a lot of people who end up in sports media, 
they know as a young kid that this is something that they wanted to do with their lives. They played sports and then they got into the other you know, side of it, whether it was reporting or wanting to be a writer or something like that. Did you know as a young kid that sports journalism was something that you eventually would want to get into? Or did that come for you later on, like maybe late in your teenage years or even college? No, it was pretty, I mean, I don't know that I, you know, I don't know that I thought to myself, that's what I'm going to do. But looking back now, it it started at a really early age and I'm going to completely destroy any credibility I have right now as far as not being a nerd, because this is the nerdiest thing you'll hear. So when I was little, you know, I lived on a, in a small town, like I said, it was a road that didn't have didn't have enough houses on it to have cable TV. Okay. So we had an antenna, you know, (laughs) we only got five stations, six stations. Well, one of them would be the Cleveland Indian station. Um, So you'd, you'd have to, if you adjusted the knob on the TV, just so you could see the picture, but it was static for the audio, or you could do the other way and twist it and you could hear it, but not see it. So what I would do growing up little, like starting at probably like eight, nine, 10, like right in there, I would turn, I would turn it on so I could see it, the picture clearly. I would turn the audio all the way down and I would do the play by play in my room <laughs> with the door shut. And then inevitably my mom would walk in and say, who are you? Ta-? She probably thought I was going insane. You know, she'd be like, who are you talking to? And I'd get all embarrassed and yelling to get out of my room, you know, and, but that's what I was doing. I would, you know, at a young age, I would sit and do the play by play, you know, for the Cleveland Indians games, because you couldn't hear it and see it at the same time. And then as I got older, I realized, okay, I am a fine high school athlete. This is never going to be something I'm going to be able to do, but I love sports. And I was always the kid in class that got yelled at for talking too much. So I went, all right, well, this might be something for me now. And it, <laughs> it's worked out so far. Yeah. Now, you went to Kent State for college. I ask all my guests the same question. It, it just interests me in knowing, why did you go to Kent State? And were there other schools that you considered or wanted to go to? Yeah. I mean, completely honest with you, I applied to Ohio University and they put me on like the waiting list to get into the program, into the journalism program. Ohio University's got a great journalism program. Um, you know, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you either have the, you either have, have the ability to do this job or you don't. And it doesn't matter what college you go to. You're either, I mean, it just, it just, that is what it is. I know a lot of people who have gone to, places that barely even have a journalism school. Kent State's got a really good one Mm -hmm. Um, and probably very underrated. So, you know, it ended up being a blessing in disguise because it didn't work out at Ohio University. So Kent State was about an hour from home for me and my brother and I were best friends growing up. So he was three years behind me and he was really good at football. And I wanted the ability to go back and watch him play. You know, I didn't want to miss out on that. So I, it gave me, I, I went back every Friday night. I didn't, I missed one of his high school football. No, I didn't. I didn't miss any of his high school football games. Gave me the ability. He went on to play college ball. I was able to go watch all of his college ball. So that was, you know, it was something that I look back on now and go, well, I mean, that was kind of a blessing in disguise sure. going to Kent state. So, but it was a great, 
it ended up being great. It ended up being, I always joke, it ended up being the best five and a half years of my life. (laughs) It really was because it was one of those deals where when I got there, um, I wasn't very mature. Like I, I was at every party. I mean, I found all of them. Um, and I actually, at one point dropped out of college and I'll never forget it. It was a life changing moment because I stood in the kitchen with my mom telling her, look, I, I, my grades are terrible. We I'm wasting money. This is, this is dumb. This is not, this is just ridiculous. And she said, Oh my God. I mean, cause I was the first to go to college in my family and they, she was devastated. Oh, I can't believe this. Please go back. And And so I didn't, and she was devastated. And my dad got me a job bending steel rods. That, uh, that sucked. (laughs) That was was a, that, that job was not fun. Point was proven by my father. Like he, you know, he basically said, look, here's the deal. This is what you're going to do then. You know, we're going to, you, if you think that you, you want to, to take a different path. And my dad wasn't a guy who went to college. So it wasn't a punishment. It was, he wanted better for me, like every parent wants. So then I, I didn't go back for a semester. Then I went back. And when I went back, I got a job while I was in college working midnights, unloading trucks at UPS to keep me busy. So I would work from midnight until 5 a.m. And then my first class was at 6.30 a.m. Wow. And then I would go to class. And then when I went back, I was on the dean's list every single semester after that. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, so it ended up being, ended up being pretty good. It ended up working out just fine. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I, well, I'm not that story of the kid that went to Syracuse and graduated in three and a half years from some J school that, you know, they walk around ta- telling everybody how great it is. That That's not my story, but I'll take mine. So. Hey, you guys all get to where you get to in different paths. And that's one of the things I love about having so many different sports media guests on there. A lot of interesting stories. After college, if I'm looking at your timeline, right, you ended up in Hagerstown, Maryland working. How did that come about? Yeah, Hagerstown was, I mean, it, and I think everybody will tell you, and it's changed a little bit. I mean, you know, the the longer I'm in this industry, I feel like the more people that are starting at bigger markets quickly. Um, you know, you know, I'm blessed to have Jenna Harner as part of our team. I mean, Jenna is amazingly talented yeah, and I, I mean, like Jenna. barely out of college yeah. and she's already in Buffalo. I mean, it's amazing. Um, you know, I want to see back when I started, but it is kind of like, <laughs> I know you know, you it's mean, 16 sure. years ago now. Um, you know, when I started, it was, you, you took whatever job you could get and, and it just so happened. Mine was in Hager. My path was in Hagerstown, Maryland. I was there for three, three and a half years. Um, and it was, it was a huge department, you know, it was a five person sports department, which was unheard of, but I mean, you know, we were all making peanuts and it is what it is. And it was almost like a paid internship and we all lived together. Um, you know, it was crazy because my roommates now were are Victor. Bla- My roommates from living in Hagerstown, Maryland, Victor Blackwell, who is a weekend anchor on CNN, and Jory Rand, who is a weekend anchor at KBC in LA. Uh-huh. So uh, we always laugh whenever I talk to him. I'm like, I feel like I'm letting you guys down, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm doing pretty well. Right. Like I'm very happy. Like I'm 
I'm the sports director of Buffalo at, at, at the CBS station. Like I'm really proud of where I can. And then meanwhile, these guys are, you know, in LA and then on CNN and I'm like, what are you guys trying to outshine me here? What is this a competition? <laughs> but Hagerstown was awesome. Uh, I got a chance to cover, you know, it's very, very local. Um, one of the cool things I got to cover a lot was Maryland hoops. And that was back with Gary Williams. Um, so that was fun because Duke was really good, but for whatever reason, Maryland always beat them. Like they just had their number. Juan Dixon was, you know, one of their stars on their team Mm -hmm. and it was just really good. You know, it was awesome. I get sit courtside and I had to shoot my own stuff. So I was sitting on the court for a lot of like Maryland Duke games. And I mean, that was, you know, that was a blast. I mean, it was, it was one of those deals that it was the first offer I got out of college and I couldn't pack my bags quick enough. Right. <laughs> now I'm going to get to channel four in a minute, but before that, I can't skip over Harrisburg because you spent almost 10 years in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. How did that opportunity come about? Okay. So, um, one of the guys that I worked with in Hagerstown had made the jump to Harrisburg. Um, and they had an opening come about and he called me and he had talked to the sports director there who had been there. who's now been there almost 40 years. Um, and he said, Hey, there's an opening here. What, what do you think? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I'm, I'm trying to eventually work my way up the ladder. Like everyone else, I got called. I was blessed enough that, you know, I had the interview and I got the job. I've, I've been lucky enough that I've only, I've had three interviews ever. And I've had three jobs. Wow. So I've, I've been blessed in saying that, you know, I've had to be, I've been able to get in front of people at the right times and it's worked out. <clears throat> um, so yeah, got the job there, spent almost 10 years covering Penn state football. And I mean, I covered it all from the Rose bowl to the Jerry Sandusky stuff. I mean, wow. yeah. I, I saw the good times and the very, very bad times of Penn state football. And a chance to cover high school football in that area, which is second to none. I mean, there are there are NFL, NFL rosters right now that have guys from all over, not even rosters. You know, the, the head coach of the Chicago Bears is from the Harrisburg area. Like the GM for the Arizona Cardinals, Harrisburg area. I mean, I could go on. LaShawn McCoy is a Harrisburg guy. Like it's just they are everywhere. When I go to the, the, the combine and stuff, I run into guys all the time that are Harrisburg guys. It just, it's, it's really incredible. And it's given me, you know, it's helped me a lot. And, and knowing those guys, because, you know, in our industry, you know, every little insider you can get, you know, helps out. Now in August of 2015, you leave Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to become the sports director at WIBB TV channel four in Buffalo. How did that opportunity come about for you to leave Pennsylvania and move on to Buffalo? Yeah, it was, you know, you just never know in this industry where it's going to take you. I mean, I, you know, I've now worked in Hagerstown, Harrisburg and Buffalo. And when I graduated Kent state, you know, I, I, you could have, it would have been like pulling three names out of a hat. I never would have guessed those were the three landing spots for me. Right. Um, but it's been, you know, long story short, um, the same company that owns the station, you know, WIVB owned ABC 27 that I was working at in Harrisburg. <clears throat> um, the news director called me 
Uh, I didn't even know there was a job opening. I'd never looked at Buffalo. I'd never, you know, I'd never been to Buffalo. And I got a call from the news director, the former news director. Um, and he said, Hey, you know, what do you think about, you know, joining us and being the sports director here? And I'm like, well, I mean, basically I'd been told by the general manager, my old station, look, when the news director leaves, who has, like I said, is now on his 40th year, you're going to be the sports director here. So, I mean, I was just kind of biding my time and it was good. It was a good station, good people. And he said, you know, I'm going to bring you up here to Buffalo. I want, I want you to see what it's about. And I thought, okay, you know, much like everyone else who has never been here, all you knew was that it gets cold there. But I also grew up in Ohio, you know, whatever. I mean, I was living in Pennsylvania. It's not warm there. I was living in Texas, you know? So I said, okay, sure. And I went up there and all I heard about was the food's going to be amazing. You're going to be blown away by it. You know, the, you're going to get a chance to, and, you know, this was the selling point. It was, look, yes, you're covering amazing high school football and you're covering Penn State football. But don't you want the chance to cover two professional teams like all the time? And, I mean, we would cover the Eagles a lot, a lot more when LaShawn was there because, I mean, he was the star running back from you know, the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we go to the Eagles games and, um, and, but so, yeah, I mean, it just kind of, I came up here and I was blown away. Like, you know, you, it's so cliche because you hear everybody say it, like, you don't know how awesome Buffalo is until you've lived in it. And it's so true. It's very I mean, true. I, I can't believe, like, I've been here three and a half years now and it feels like it's been a snap of my fingers. And it's, it's just been, it's been way more than I could ever even hoped. And I mean, I got up here, I did the job interview, uh, you know, I, you know, I was like, you know, this seems like the good, a good place for me, you know, and it's been great. You know, it's been awesome. I mean, I been a chance to, you know, travel, cover the bills. We started a, you know, pregame show that we had never, that this Buffalo had never had before, you know, a bills pregame show. I got here and I was like, what, wait, we're the CBS station. We don't have a pregame show. What? Huh? And now we have one and it's successful and people watch it because it's Sundays and it's CBS and it's the bills and people can't get enough, you know, and it's, it's just, yeah, it's Buffalo has been just great. And the food is ridiculously good. I'll tell you, (laughs) you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stereotypes in other cities turn out to be not true, but in Buffalo, what you hear really is true. The winters do suck. The weather is freezing. The food is amazing. And the people are great. That really is yeah. Buffalo. People say it, and it's 100% true because that that's what it is. You know, the one thing that I really appreciate, and we're, we're, hit, we're about to hit it soon, is the one thing that I really, really love about this place is, like you said, the winters suck. They're terrible. Mm-hmm. But what because they're so bad... As soon as the weather gets nice, people are everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's awesome. It's such a good vibe. Nobody takes it for granted. Like, the first spot of 60, people are out. I mean, I, you know, I, I live downtown, and, like, people are everywhere. You go down through Elmwood and Amherst and Williamsville, and people are out walking their dogs, and the restaurants are packed, and people's people are sitting outside eating. It's just the park Delaware park is, it's just, it's such a good vibe for those seven months because everybody knows the other five 
are just yeah you're just surviving ski which i don't you know right you're out of luck right i've had several buffalo sports media guests on this show and it seems for the most part you guys have really good relationships i mean you're at the stadiums you're at the arenas together you travel up and down the roads together sure some of you have gotten to know each other really well is it pretty safe to say that that buffalo contingent of sports media is more close-knit than a lot of other markets like i've talked to some people you know in the new york or la markets boston markets and it Seems a little more cutthroat, whereas Buffalo, for the most part, there are exceptions, of course. But for the most part, it seems like the Buffalo sports media is kind of a little more close-knit than some of those other bigger markets. Would you agree with that or no? Well, either that or we're better at hiding it. No, I'm just kidding. Well, some, <laughs> kidding. some people no, don't I, care to hide it anymore, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think that's accurate. Um, I think that um, you're right. I think it's probably, you know, looking from the outside that it's a lot more cutthroat in Boston, New York cities. Um, You're right. I mean, I have great relationships, at least I'd like to think, with a majority of, you know, the guys that are on the Bills beat and guys who are covering the Sabres. And it's just, here's the thing with our industry, the quicker, and and maybe this is why. New York, Boston, those cities – people probably aren't moving up from there. Right. Yeah. If you will, because that's, I mean, you're talking market two in New York, uh, you know, and you're talking Mark in Boston, I believe is like market five. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, there's not, there's not much moving up you can do now. Uh, some people, you know, I would say a lot of people think, okay, well, when you go to Buffalo, you know, Buffalo's market 50, there's still a chance to go somewhere, maybe a bigger market. Well, so you don't burn bridges. Because you may run into those people trying to, you know, advance your career, if you will, if that's what you think advancing is. Sure. Now, so I think that 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 might be one of the reasons that people try to play nice in the sandbox here. And and, and a lot of it, I think, is, you know, people just kind of get along better here. I mean, you know, there's 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 a sense of community, even kind of inside the press conferences and stuff. I mean, you're going to be around these guys when you're covering the bills, you travel, you, you know, you, if you're going to go to dinner, I go to dinner with most of these guys, you know, I can't tell you, I mean, how much Sal, Sal Capaccio probably gets sick of seeing me. I mean, we see each other <laughs> all the time during bill season. I mean, we've become really good friends. Right. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that you just, you become good friends without, I mean, Tim Graham and I sat and watched, you know, the cat because he's a, he's an Ohio guy. He and I sat just him and I at this small little pub here in Buffalo and watched the Cavs win the NBA championship together. You know, it was kind of like, Hey, you know, we have that commonality and, you know, and I knew Tim from, you know, covering, you know, the sports around here and, you know, he's so talented. That's just the other thing. I think that people appreciate the talent that's here. Like the fellow journalists appreciate how talented some of these guys are. I mean, the guys that are working over at the athletic are in Buffalo are as talented as you're going to see in the country. And I mean, even going back to when Ty Dunn used to work here in Buffalo, I mean, Mm -hmm. super talented, Matt Fairburn. I mean, the list is, is just crazy off the charts. Good. I mean, just it's, yeah, it's it's impressive. Vic Carucci's been doing it as long as anybody. And I mean, if you don't respect 
the fact that, you know, he's tied into anybody and everybody. And I, it's nice to sit around and listen to some of these guys who've been around just tell stories. Is it a little tricky for you sometimes? You know, you got to balance that line between friendship. Like you said, for an example, Sal Kapach, I love Sal. Sal's a great guy. You guys have become good friends. You're good friends with Tim. So you, you have a friendship, but at the same time, it could also be competition. You know, you want to get the best story. You want to win that day when it comes to the story. You know what I mean? Sometimes is it a little bit difficult? I mean, ultimately you do it, of course, because that's what you do. But can be a little difficult sometimes to balance that line between being friends, but at the same token, you want to tell the better story. You want to get that exclusive. You want that scoop. You want to tell that story better. You know what I mean? It's, oh. it's kind of a balance there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's like, we all were able to make it in this industry by being competitive. I mean, if you weren't competitive, you never would have. This is such a competitive industry. You never would have made it. <laughs> um, so absolutely. I mean, there. It, but we all, we expect that out of each other. And quite frankly, that's what makes you, that's what makes you put out more quality work is, you know, you, you know, that Sal's working, you know, on, you know, this. And so you got to do it just as good, or if not, try to do it better. And that, Tim's going to work on something and he's, you got to try to do it better. And if you want eyeballs from the other TV stations, you better try to do it better. You, you better try to do it better than them. You got to, you got to constantly be on your toes and when in the world of social media anymore, I mean, it's just nonstop. The, the sports news cycle never quits. I mean, this Antonio Brown thing happened. I'm in the middle of trying to watch game of Thrones and <laughs> before the next I saw season that. starts. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it goes crazy. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, here we go. And, you know, I start texting people that I know and trying to find things out. You know why I did that? Because I know that Sal's doing it. Tim's doing it. Vic's doing it. I, so it's good. It, you want that. You want you because, I mean, otherwise you, no one cares. And that's the last thing you want is no one to care. Right. I've grown a pretty good base of listeners out there who are blogging or they're aspiring sports writers or sports casters. What's the best advice that you could give somebody in 2019 who wants to get into your field? Um, I mean, it's, it's so, I don't want to say that it's luck because it's not, but you gotta be, you gotta put yourself in, in, in the right position. You know, you gotta, you gotta be willing to go up and shake the hand and introduce yourself to random people. You just do. I mean, because you never know that random person. And the other thing is, don't be a jerk to people because that might be the person that holds the key to to your next stop or to your net, whatever, whatever it is you want down the line. That might be the person that holds the key to it. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've sat and listened to someone just absolutely rip someone to shreds in our industry. Think, And all I could think was, Oh man, you better hope you never need that person in our industry. It's small. You're one person away from knowing everybody, right? It's, I mean, it's such a connected industry. I mean, when, when I got here, this is a great story as far as like to prove the point that make sure you don't burn bridges, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to walk up to someone and go, Hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, tell me a little bit about, because we're storytellers. I mean, we'll tell you our story. I mean you know, that's not an issue. So we'll talk when it's not like we're like that. Here's a great example though. So Mark gone, who's been in Buffalo for no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Bud Bailey 
who's been in Buffalo forever. He was at the Buffalo News for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I get the job here in Buffalo. And when I got it, my, you know, my sports director down in Harrisburg had given me his blessing. You're going to be great. You're going to be an awesome sports director. It was just a matter of time for you to get the opportunity. He said, by the way, when you get there, tell Bud Bailey, I said, hi. And I said, well, I don't know who Bud Bailey is, you know? And he goes, Bud Bailey and I, we went to Syracuse together. We were roommates. I'm like, Oh my, you were roommate. He goes, yeah. What, t- t- when you see him, tell him about, tell him you heard about the story about us driving down to spring training from Syracuse, doing all the way to Florida in the eight, in the early eighties or late seventies. And I sat there and I said to Bud, Hey, I introduced myself and I tell him about my former sports director. And he's like, Oh my. So once again, you are like one person from knowing everyone so you got to make sure you do not burn bridges in our industry because it comes back to haunt you yeah but you gotta you gotta be willing to put yourself out there that's good advice quickly i want to i got one bills one sabers question for you when it comes to the bills i i just want a quick overview from you on what you're expecting from them this week and again for everyone out there listening we're taping this on monday right before that tampering window starts. By the time some people are hearing this on Tuesday morning, they're very well, maybe activity with the Buffalo Bills. In fact, I think many would be disappointed if there wasn't. What are you expecting this week? I, I, what I, I don't know what I'm expecting, but I know what I'm hoping. All right, what are you um, hoping for? I, I, I'm hoping that they address the offensive line. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's pretty standard across what everybody's kind of hoping for as far as, you know, if you're a Bills fan, I, you know, I'd like to see them address that offensive line. Um, you know, the, the center from Denver and the tackle um, from Carolina are the two top guys on my list of free agents that I think Brandon should at least, you know, zero in on. Let's face it. They've got a ton of money. They've got a ton of cap space. And Brandon has said all along that, he was going to use free agency to set himself up for the draft. So, you know, we're going to get a good indication on what they're going to do in the draft based on what they do in free agency. That's why, uh, you know, I, much like everyone in our industry, I will do a mock draft, you know, in a, you know, in a couple of weeks, but I never do it before free agency because that this changes everything. Right. Exactly. This changes. I mean, I can sit there and say, hey, you know what? At number nine, I think the Bills are going to take a tackle. Well, if the Bills go out and sign a tackle at the number one tackle in free agency, well, there goes that. Right. Theory. I mean, that's that's out the window. I mean, but I, I really think that, um, you know, I really think they need to address the offensive line. Um, it, you know, the two O linemen, I, I really like. You know, if they can only land one of the two, you know, I'd like to see him address the, the O line again in the draft. I mean, you got to protect Josh Allen. I mean, that's your biggest asset. I mean, you've you've got the guy that you believe is your quarterback. Now you just got to keep him from getting injured. And I mean, you've got to invest in that offensive line. And the offensive line makes Josh better. They'll they'll make Lashawn better, which will make the passing game better, which will make the running game. It, it's all linked, but it all start in my opinion. It starts with getting your quarterback, and then you've got to get the offensive line. I agree with you 100%. One Sabres thing, then we're going to wrap up the mini lightning round. You've been covering sports for quite a while now. Is this Sabres collapse since that 10-game winning streak earlier in the season? One of the bigger collapses that you can remember, because for me, it's hard to fathom 
that this is a team that would lead the NHL in points at the end of November. And I mean, we're what, 11 days into March now. Shit, this could have been two weeks ago. And we'd be talking about the Sabres being completely out of the playoff race before March. And this is after being the best team in the NHL. Now, I don't think anyone expected them to sustain that rate of play. But to go from playing that well, winning 10 straight games to being where they're at right now, is this one of the bigger collapses you can remember? It's disgusting. I yeah. mean, it, like, it, they want, think of this, they won an eighth of their season straight. <laughs> they won straight, an eighth of their season. You know, they, and that, and they're not going to sniff the playoffs. It's, I mean, <clears throat> and look, I don't think any of us, when they were in the midst of that 10 game win streak, thought that, hey, this is a no doubt about it playoff team. I think we all thought that eventually they'd come back down to earth. We just didn't think they'd crash down into earth. I mean, it, it has been, and, and, and every, the most frustrating part about the entire collapse is every night it's something different. Every night it's, you know, or, okay, one night it's the goaltending and the, the next night it's, you know, they, they're not moving guys out in front of the net so the goalies don't have a chance anyways. Guys are scoring three feet from the, you know, from in, in front of the goaltender. You know, another night, you know, you just, you go, we, they, they had seven shots. They had seven shots, you know, halfway through the game yeah. this, this past week. I'm, I'm going, okay, way to be, way to be of a shot mindset. You know, it's, it's just really frustrating. And I mean, you know, is it, if you ask 10 people, you'll get 10 different answers on who to point the finger at. I mean, is it the players? Is it Housley? Is it Botterill? Is it, I mean, who, I mean, who's to blame? And it's just been, it's just been really, really kind of disheartening because it finally felt like, Hey, you know what? If they don't make the playoffs, at least in March, we'll be talking about, Hey, they're only three points out. Right. Yes. You know, if they win and so-and-so loses, we're going to jump up to them. We need X, Y, and Z to happen to get in going into the last week. And that, that hasn't been the mentality in, in six weeks now. I mean, they, they haven't been a legit playoff contention in six weeks. I, I don't want, you know what? I had follow-up questions, but you're depressing me, man. I don't even want to, I don't want to talk about them. Let's do something more fun. We're going to wrap with the mini lighting round. All I'm going to do is ask you a handful of random questions. Not a lot of deep thought required. Whatever your first answer is, you're good with that. And for the record, you would not let me give you any spoilers beforehand. So you are legitimately hearing all these for the first time. <laughs> Let's ride. Let's do it. All right, man. Favorite athlete that you've got in the cover as a reporter? Okay. Whitey Ford, but I didn't cover him. Here's the backstory real quick. Go ahead. It's lightning. And, and lightning uh, go ahead. Tell quick. the story. Because it's a good one. I mean, it was my favorite you know, Whitey Ford, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Yankees, my favorite interview ever. He was unbelievable. I sat down with him, my first market, Hagerstown, Maryland. They had this Apple Blossom Festival in Winchester, Virginia. He was the sports grand marshal, and the grand marshal was Chevy Chase. So this was a huge thing. Oh, wow. I sit down with Whitey Ford, and it it's just me and Whitey. I sit down green as can be i'm shooting it i'm doing the interview the whole nine the one man band action i sit down with him and i start talking to him and then i shut the camera off he sat there with me for, sat there with me for another 30 minutes and told me stories about yogi berra 
that were just off the charts. There was a game when Whitey Ford was pitching his very first pitch of the game. It got drilled off the wall for a double second pitch of the game got hit over the wall for a two run home run. The next pitch was a slap single to right. The next pitch was a wild pitch to put the runner on second. Casey Stengel walked out to the mound to greet Whitey Ford. Yogi Berra walks to the mound. All three of them are standing on the mound. All three Hall of Famers. All three Yankees. Casey Stengel looks at Whitey, looks at Yogi, and says to Yogi, does he not have it today? Yogi Berra with a straight face says, I don't know. I haven't caught one of the pitches yet. (laughs) He told me a dozen stories like that. So Whitey Ford is my answer, although I didn't cover him, obviously. I had a chance to talk to him, and that's my favorite. That's my favorite story ever. That's awesome. Favorite non-sports-related activity to do. And by the way, I didn't mention this. I know I read in your bio that you used to or still do run marathons. I can't let you count that because that's sports-related. But what got you into Why? Why did you start running? Not that it's yeah, a bad thing. It's a I good thing. I still run. Yeah, I what still got you run. Into that? I mean, I, I do. What's that? Sorry. What, what got you into that? What got you into running? I, you know, it was weird. Um, my 30th birthday, which is 10 years ago now, I just, I was like, you know what? I need to do something more than just lift weights. You know, so I've always kind of exercised, but I was like, I need to really start running. And the very first race I decided to do, because it's kind of my mentality is I don't want half. I want all. So I went. I'm going to run a full marathon. I was told I was crazy. I was, you know, I got, I got three quarters of the way through it and I am pretty sure I saw death, (laughs) Um, but I made it through it and I loved it. And then, you know, since then I've done a couple of half marathons, done a bunch of 10 K's, you know, just stuff like that. It's, it's fun to me, but, um, wow. Other than that, uh, favorite thing to do. I love going to concerts, big, big, especially if you can give me a concert on the beach. Uh, that's that that's my favorite non-sports thing to do okay big concert guy okay you've been to a lot of cities now you've traveled for a lot of bills games i'm sure you did a lot of traveling in harrisburg before that what's your favorite city to visit Ooh, ooh, that's a good one uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go with green bay okay green bay was awesome green bay was covering the packers and being down at lambeau field and that was that was one of those moments where you looked around and went, oh, man, this is really cool. Yeah, I'm sure it's got that historic feel to it. Who's the most entertaining Buffalo sports media person that you know? And this is going to be tough because you got a lot of friends in there. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. You can only pick one. Who's the most entertaining? Who's the funniest guy that you work with? The funniest guy. Or woman. <sighs> yeah, or woman. The funniest guy or woman. I'm going to go with Tim Graham. Tim is just He's very quick witted. I mean, if you say something to him, he has got typically a smart ass answer to come back with. I just had him on my last, I just had him on last week and he was fucking with me. He's a, he's he's great. He's, he's just, he's a good dude. Um, yeah, he's, and he's really funny. What's your favorite sports movie ever? (sighs) Major league. Okay. Growing up as a Cleveland Indians fan, you know, and that's kind of when they peaked was when Major League came out. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Major League. If you had never gotten involved in sports journalism in any capacity or if it didn't work out, what do you think you may have went on to do with your life? Bending steel, obviously, is not going to be the right answer. 
No, I would have been a coach. I, I coached, uh, I coached girls basketball, um, for a couple of years. And I was actually an assistant on my uncle's team who was the head coach and we won a state title, um, years ago. Um, and I was a JV coach and, and, uh, yeah, so I would have been a coach and probably a history teacher cause I minored in history. All right. Second, last question here. If Twitter were to send you a note and say, Hey Josh, we got a new policy and you're only a follow, allowed to follow one person on Twitter. Now one person only, that's all you could have is one follow on Twitter. What would that one Twitter follow be? Oh, it would be the seventies thing. And I forget the exact name of it. There's I a seventies, there's a seventies sports thing. And they, all they do is post old pictures from the seventies and the captions from it. It's like seventies superstar sports or something. I forget the exact super, name. Super, of the I think handle. it's super seventies sports. I, I think that's it's, what it's it is. unbelievable. I, every time they post a picture, I laugh. So, I mean, that's, that's what it would be. Not a very professional answer. Who cares? <laughs> It makes me laugh. Every time I see it, I laugh. So I would do, I would do that one. Yeah. All right. Last question here. You could have three dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, celebrity, whatever, anyone you want, three people at your dinner table, have some eats, maybe a couple beers or whatever. Who are those three people? Who you got? Howard Stern would be number one. Okay. I, I think that he's done for the media industry is unmatched. And I just think he's such an interesting dude. I think he's unbelievable. Uh, I'd go Howard Stern. I would go LeBron James and then give me Eric Church. Eric Church. Okay. Good one there, man. All right, folks, give Josh a follow on Twitter at 4JoshReed. Of course, check out his work in Buffalo on the air at Channel 4. Thanks for this, man. It was fun getting to know you better today. Thanks for your time, man. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of stuff going on this week. NHL, UB, college basketball, all that stuff. So really appreciate your time. Absolutely. No problem. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! All right, I'm here with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. What's going on, Aaron? It's been two weeks, man. I kind of missed you. Yeah, I miss you too, man. Is there anything been going on for you today? I've been it's been pretty <laughs> slow on my end. Yeah, it's not 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 a busy day at all. Nothing going on with the Bills. Nothing going on with the NFL. Anything like that? What do you got going on with Cover One? I can only imagine how busy it is for you right now this time of year with you guys at Cover One. Yeah, it's super busy over here. Obviously, you have the draft still going. Guys are getting all their big boards together post-combine still. And then you throw this free agency wrench into it uh, because we don't just cover the draft. And Eric, primarily, who's the brains behind the cover one operation, like I was saying when we were off air, he must have 12, 15 screens at his house. Because uh, if you follow him on Twitter, if you don't, I suggest you do. But if you follow him on Twitter, he has just video uploaded of the every guy that this team signs and and the information's coming in so fast that he could be studying Frank Gore and then move over to the other guy they signed, whatever it is. And he, he's always bringing the content. So it's, it's super busy time. Head over to coverone.net because there's going to be a ton of content coming out about all these new bills uh, that are, are heading to the team. Get to know him. Yeah, Eric, Eric Turner's an animal, man. <laughs> he really, really is when it comes to producing qual not just content. Anyone could produce content, quality content. That's what I'm talking about. He's an animal when it comes to that. 
Yeah, no, he really is. And, and one of the things he does best is, you know, he looks through uh, years of data and information to find guys that will be free agency fits, uh, guys that fit the systems, all that stuff, because there's a ton of personnel and guys involved and his historical relationships of those things. And he just dives right into that stuff. He'll come to me with all these big spreadsheets he's done. I'm like, OK, just tell me what you see. I'm not going to look at it. Just tell me what you see. And he's he's crazy, man. He's an animal. He is. And, you know, real quick, and then we're going to get started because I got a lot of stuff that I want to try to get to without taking up too much time. But people who do these mock drafts, we've talked about this before. They are entertaining. They make for great water cooler talk. They're fun to look at at that moment. But when you do them before free agency, they really don't mean anything. And a day like today, we are taping this Monday evening. I mean, maybe not so much with the Buffalo Bills because I don't think they signed any player today. And once again, we're going to talk about these guys that may affect what they would have done with the ninth pick. But there's players around the league going somewhere that totally will throw any mock draft off. Like, for an example, the Raiders signing um, Trent Brown, the tackle. There yeah. goes that fourth pick. Juwan Taylor's not in play at four for the Raiders no more. They got two tackles now. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, that's why as much as I like mock drafts for their entertainment value or informational purposes at the time, they're really useless before free agency starts. And it's days like today that completely tell me why that's the way it is. Every year I get suckered into I say, I'm not going to click them even before the combine. And then there I am doing it. Yeah. It, it. It serves a purpose, right? It fills the most void time in the NFL. So I see the purpose, but you're right. As far as where guys are going to go or projecting guys in February, it's just so unrealistic. Let's talk briefly about Antonio Brown and last Thursday. And then we're going to talk about yeah. players that actually are in Buffalo now, as well as some other players around the league. So on Thursday, I finished taping my show. Tim Graham was my guest. It was my 100th episode last, that aired last Friday morning. I upload the episode. I do all the show notes and everything. At around 11, 11 I upload the episode. I always feel good after I do that. I unwind a little bit. I relax. Sit in there talking to my wife. Check my phone for Twitter, which sometimes I don't even do because it's late like that. And all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Ian Rappaport with this bombshell about Antonio Brown going to the Bills. I don't know about you, if you already were sleeping when this happened or, or what your mindset was, but I was hitting refresh on Twitter probably for the next three hours. I sat down in front of my microphone, contemplating literally for two, three hours, taping a new intro to throw and take off because I had it uploaded. I was going to delete it and <laughs> do the whole intro all over again. I was driving myself absolutely crazy wondering what was happening with Antonio Brown let me ask you this. Okay, here's my question. Yeah. What's your take on the Bills not landing Antonio Brown? Your unbiased take, because there was a time I would think that you thought it was going to happen. I certainly did. Now that it didn't happen, of course, he went to the Raiders and all that other crap. Are you happy? Are you mad? What's your feeling about it? Do you think the Bills would have been making a mistake? Well, so I missed. I was asleep. And I woke up in the morning to chaos in my house with with kids and the wife getting ready for work and was just blindsided, still trying to catch up with what exactly was going on. Um, so I missed the, the emotional roller coaster I think a lot of people went through and got to view this a little bit differently. I'm still conflicted to this moment. Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot this week. If they had gotten Antonio Brown, would I be happy or sad? And just from a star power standpoint and the 
meaning behind uh, your GM being willing to make a deal like that, I would have probably been happy with that and happy with the that type of aggressive deal. There was uh, stuff going on about Odell Beckham today, again, that he's still on the trade block. And then people started connecting to the bills and putting that out there and thinking about that, too. Kind of the same thing. I say, you know what, man, if Beam goes and gets that guy, I kind of like that aggressive move. But there's still a lot of me that doesn't. I think they did dodge a bullet a little bit when you do add in the compensation, when you do talk about kind of the uh, explosive, combustible nature of a guy like an Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't think he's a bad process guy. I think that uh, term gets used incorrectly a lot of the time when people are talking about what kind of guys this team's bringing in. I think he fits all that, actually. He's one of the hardest working men in the entire NFL. You don't become a fifth round pick and then become one of the best receivers in the NFL in the last decade if you're not one of the hardest working guys in sports so I think he fits the process uh it's just the combustible attitude I think you kind of feel like maybe they dodged a bullet but man what a whirlwind of events oh god I'll tell you I put up a podcast poll the next morning and you want to talk about division amongst fans literally I mean 50 50 it was everybody I got about 300 to 350 votes somewhere and and the question was if you were Brandon Bean, you know, the, the third and the fifth, I just said the same exact compensation that the Raiders paid. A third, a fifth, and 30 million guaranteed. Would you be happy or mad if Brandon Bean did that? It was 50 50. He would have consumed the whole media market really for the whole summer and whole season. And I don't know that that is really what we want here in Buffalo. It is a small market and this team is building something special. And I don't know that they want that distraction. One guy, just a black hole of media attention. And that's where, what he's going to be no matter where he goes. He's just that type dynamic polarizing personality. I just personally, for me, I was surprised to hear about the news. I don't feel like the bills necessarily feel like they need a quote unquote, number one receiver. I know that they think, they, or they know that they need to add talent to the position, but I'm not sure that they're trying to go out and overpay to get AJ Green to a trader or Dell Beckham, somebody like that. I don't necessarily think that they feel like they need to have a true number one. Well, what surprised me is I do agree with you, but it surprised me that they're in that market for yeah. one. But I want a generational talent. That's really what uh, Antonio Brown has been throughout his career. And I think the, that there's still some juice left in there. Uh, so I understand that want to go get that. But I think it also speaks to how Brandon Bean and the front office feel about this free agency and feel about maybe the draft. I know a lot of people are high on DK at nine and things like that. And maybe they felt hey, I'm willing to give up some some trade compensation and a little bit more cap to get a guy that I know is going to be good versus kind of, you know, right. either use a high pick or, or spend some draft capital to get a guy that's probably not going to be the guy. So uh, I don't think that they need it. Their, their history in Carolina, whether that was Gettleman pulling the punches or Bean pulling the punches, shows that maybe they don't need to feel like they have to rely on a number one wide receiver. So I don't know that they're going to be able to find one at this point anyway. So Well, let's talk about the four guys that they did sign. Again, we are taping this Monday evening. I should say four guys that they've signed at, at the time so of this far. taping. Yeah. That might increase. Let's start Kevin Johnson. He's a guy who visited the Bills. He's a former first-round pick from Houston. He got cut, concussion issues, good talent, probably Harris insurance for Levi Wallace. Maybe he could push him for a starting job. What's your take on that deal? 
I think it's totally fine. I haven't seen the numbers on that one yet, which yeah, is surprising. That was the first one announced today. Uh, so I expect to see numbers pretty early on. I'm expecting somewhere in the like three, four million a year range uh, for a guy that's competing to start at cornerback. Um, mixed reports coming out of Houston on him that he has all the talent to be good, just can't stay healthy, lost a lot of confidence. I saw uh, reports of that on Twitter uh, with his injuries and, and things like that. So if he can regain some of that, we'll see. I, I've said this a hundred times and I'll, I'll go to my grave on this one that I really trust Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier to find guys that just fit their system, especially defensive backs and really get the most out of those guys. Obviously I think Vontae Davis comes to everybody's mind. I think that's a total anomaly and you kind of have to throw that data out. Uh, when you look at though EJ Gaines, I, I, this reminds me a lot of an EJ Gaines type sign signing, or even, you know, the Jordan Poyer bringing in guys that have had some injury history, kind of not a name that everybody knows, but really fits the really fits the system and you know he might surprise some people and if not you have levi wallace i really just wanted a guy to push levi wallace and i think that's what they've got yeah i agree for that purpose i like the signing all right let's talk about the one that got bills fans buzzing on monday afternoon frank gore to the bills one year two million dollars uh, so when I first heard the news, I was kind of surprised. But then when I saw that it happened, it actually makes pretty good sense. I got killed on Twitter today for being too Homer and I like everything they do and all that. But I said, you know what, guys, like this is a guy that is a, a Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. Uh, he's at the end of his career. The type of leadership that he brings into a locker room is worth the deal alone. If you have a chance to bring in the class act and leader to that Frank Gore is to your uh, facility, you do it and at two million dollars for one year he's still productive too this isn't like a Derek anderson signing where you're just paying a guy to mentor and never play a snap this is a guy that just came off a 700 yard season at 4.6 yards per yeah. carry uh i tweeted out earlier you put a put his stats up to, to i didn't know mark that at ingram. first yeah. yeah you put up to mark ingram if i told you today we signed mark ingram for two million dollars for one year people would be ecstatic all over twitter we're getting a good, productive running back that is going to be a backup player who still probably got some juice left in him. I think the age really just throws people off. Uh, but he is a freak of a man, and his 35 is not other guys' 35. He's always been known to be a, a hardworking guy that stays in the best shape. He, he's in top physical condition all the time. So maybe it doesn't work out, but I think on the surface, it's not a bad signing. I think it allows them to cut Chris Ivory. They'll save the $2 million there. It's essentially a wash and then you still are going to probably i'm hoping draft a running back here in this draft and then you, you go into the season with shady uh gore and then a rookie running back to learn behind those two greats i'm not gonna lie to you when it first happened i'm like what the fuck what but then i looked <laughs> i had no idea that he was averaging 4.6 yards of carry last year and i looked at some clips i'm like all right man he still looks pretty good like you said he ran for over 700 yards he still has a little something left in the tank I think more than anything, I was just surprised. I thought if they were going to sign a running back, it would be a young guy. For the moment, at least, they got the three, literally at the moment, the three oldest running backs in the NFL all on the same roster. I mean, obviously, it means probably the end of Chris Ivory. That surprises me a little bit, though, because at the Combine, I'm not sure if it was you that I talked about this with, but he kind of went out of his way to praise Chris Ivory a little bit. I thought the Bills liked the way Chris Ivory looked last year when he was healthy. In fact, to be completely honest with you, I don't think he's a better running back than LaShawn McCoy, so I'm not saying that. But I think when they were both healthy last year, I think Chris Ivory was the more effective running back than LaShawn McCoy. So I'm a little bit surprised. I thought they might draft a young guy and keep all three. 
But there's no way they're keeping all three of their current guys, so they got to get rid of somebody. I've heard some speculation on Twitter that maybe LaShawn McCoy is a trade candidate. He does have a friendly deal to trade. I don't. I still don't see it. There's been talk about it now for over a year and a half of him being the guy that's going to get traded. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you that Ivory may be the man out. And I do. Th- yeah, it is weird because they did speak highly of him, but that's the league. The league's a business, and you never know who's going to become available, who will have in that mutual interest. And uh, I do believe both Bean and McDermott when they talk about trying to get better at every position. And I know fans got frustrated that because it was one of the first signings announced, they say, oh, we have all these other needs. Why are they wasting their time with a a backup running back? But they're going to try to get better at depth on this team. It it was something that hurt them a year ago. They're going to do it. So yeah, maybe it was bad timing how that came out before the other bigger signings come out. But you know, I'm not going to get mad at them for trying to fix every position in that depth to this team yeah, and i'm a knee-jerk reactor i i don't i admit it i don't think sometimes i just shoot right away i'm like first thought i don't sit back and process you know the move or anything like that so that happens tell us about the tight end tyler croft he signs for three years 6.35 million per don't got all the contract details as we taped it so i don't know how much of that's guaranteed how much of it is yeah. up front talented guy looked good in 2017 when he had an opportunity only played five games last year We talked about this. This isn't exactly a strong free agent tight end class. What do you think of Tyler Croft? And do you think this affects the draft whatsoever when it comes to fighting a tight end? Yeah, I think he's meh. You know, if that's a, a word that we can use to describe people oh, now in 2019. Yeah, yeah, I think he's I think he is. I think this whole free agent tight end class was kind of that way when people really pressed me on who I wanted. They were all kind of the same along that top. I kind of joked around, you know, give me one of the Cincinnati tight ends and that's what, <laughs> what we got. So I, I don't know. I don't really care about this deal. I think that they probably see some stuff on tape that they like. Uh, they had to add somebody, right? You can't just go into the draft with just Jason Kroom. So they were, you knew they were going to add somebody. His deal falls right in line with the guys at his meh level. So I'm not mad about the deal. I know some people are one thing about free agency every year we get so mad every time free agency rolls around when you see these blockbuster deals record-breaking deals i got bad news for people values only go up in sports so the positional values are always going to go up the cap's always going to go up so Every year when people say, oh, you know, Tyler Croft's making six million a year and somebody that signed a deal three years ago is only making four. And it's like, well, that's just kind of how the story of sports goes. So I'm not going to get mad at the deal. It's fine. I'm not super excited about the Tyler Croft signing. And I don't think that it changes the draft at all. In fact, I think it kind of reinforces that they are looking for a top-notch tight end in the draft and uh they just uh just was confirmed i forget his name but they just brought in they're bringing in the kid for a top 30 visit from uh a&m sternberger whatever uh, his name is so they're bringing in tight ends they visited with almost all of them at the you're combine, a Nerf smith so. jr guy aren't you i'm a big Irv smith jr guy yeah so you still think i mean realistically not that it's going to happen, but tight end, this doesn't change anything when it comes to tight end. Tight end can even still be in play at nine with Hawkinson or Noah Font in your mind, right? Oh, I think it's absolutely in play. And I think they are, I would like to think they're going to try to get one of the top three guys, depending how the board falls. But I, I think that they are, uh, it's a huge priority in the draft. Last one so far for the day, the big one, of course, Mitch Morse, Kansas City Center, 26 years old. He signs with the Bills. I'm literally, we're getting the details now as we're taping this. I'm reading four years north of $11 million per year. Now, again, I don't know yet. We don't know yet how much of that's guaranteed, what's going to be up front. 
But on the surface, that's an expensive deal. But you know what? Dude, you had Ryan Groy and Russell Bodine at center last year. Mitch Morse was, I, I think, undisputedly the second best center on the market. Injury concerns for sure. He's missed five games and nine games over his last two years, respectively. But everything I've read and seen, this guy's a good player. He's, he's a huge upgrade to this offensive line that has just been awful. What's your take on that? Do you think the Bills, is this a position where you're good with them overpaying or do you not like the value of Mitch Morse? I think that in my mind, I assumed they were going to get one of the top two centers just because we heard Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both talk about how important it is uh, at that position to have a veteran for Josh Allen. It helped with with protections, help kind of solidify the interior line. So we knew that wasn't probably going to be something they went for in the draft early. And so if you want to solidify that position, you're going to have to go after one of the top two guys in free agency. And we heard that uh, Paradise was going to, you know, set the record. And I figured Morris would be right there too. And one of those top guys does the other guys right there too. So obviously for right now, he's the highest paid center in the NFL. I think we don't know what uh, yeah. Paradis's deal is going to be. That I'm might sure change that by the time people are hearing this in the morning. That's what I'm saying. I think it will probably change, but they'll both be up there, but I'm totally fine with that because uh, you really got to solidify that line. We got in this position of cap flexibility and a healthy cap so that you could compete in the market. And this is where the market is. If you want the top, talent at that position you got to go get it and you got to pay to play if you want to be a player in this market you're gonna have to pay and uh you know you had alluded to it before we went live it's buffalo and buffalo right now is not a winner it's not the most desirable location for a number of reasons which all came up with the antonio brown conversation uh so there more times than not we're gonna have to overpay guys anyway especially guys that are premier premier guys that have multiple destinations they can choose from uh so i have no problem with it overpay the guy as long as it solidifies the line still a lot of holes on the line to fix but you know that the the guy calling the shots in the middle is set and he's set for the next what was it a four-year deal he's set yeah, for the four next- years it says four years north of 11 million that that's the stats that we have as we take this right now that that works right with josh allen's rookie contract so they both run up at the same time if you have success great if it all if they all fall flat on their face you start over yeah he's only 26 years old too it's not like they're signing somebody in their 30s and yeah listen when it comes to buffalo that's the way it's going to be right now you come to buffalo and the last couple of signings i think really hammer that home you come to buffalo for opportunity like tyler croft will get a better opportunity in buffalo than he would have gotten in Cincinnati or most other teams. And then on the other hand, you got a guy like Mitch Morse. Was Buffalo his first choice? I highly doubt it. I mean, maybe we find that out down the road. Maybe we never do. But you yeah, know what? In say a case it like it, right, exactly. But in a case like that, he's I guarantee you the Bills offered him more money than he was going to get somewhere else. That's what it's going to take until this team turns it around and they become a winner. It's as simple as that. You go to New England to chase rings. You go to the Rams right now, if you want to chase a ring, you go to Buffalo for opportunity or you go to Buffalo to get paid. Right. Yeah. And uh, until they become a winner, you're going here to get paid. And honestly, man, I, you know, fans rip these guys apart for this type of thing, but I've never taken a job for the, whatever it is. I've always taken a job for the money. Uh, whoever's paying me the most, that's where I'm going. Sure. So if we're living like that, we can't expect them to, to live in some more moral stance of like, Oh, don't they care about wins? Like, uh, no, they're, this is their career. Yeah. They do want to win, but at the end of the day, they got to get paid. Now, free agency technically starts Wednesday afternoon, but for all intents and purposes, free agency started today on Monday as we tape this. 
you go through the four guys. Okay, you got Morse, you got Johnson, you got Gore, you got Croft. Grade them. What's your grade for the Buffalo Bills? Free agency, day one, what you wanted, what you realistically thought they could do, and where they stand right now, what's your grade? And again, mind you, it is roughly close to 8 p.m., so maybe yeah. something still happens tonight before the morning. But as of right now, if they don't sign anyone else today, what would you grade day one free agency for Buffalo? All right. Can I tell you, I wasn't prepared for this. Can I talk it out in my head a little bit with Absolutely, you? Absolutely, dude. All right. So obviously Morse, that is a heavy weighted part of the grade, a huge need for him. One of the top two guys in free agency. So I'm, I'm really liking that there. Croft is a huge need, right? The tight end position is a huge need. Don't love the signing though. As far as who the guy is, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty mad on that cornerback to a huge need. So three out of the four guys were good needs in my opinion, uh, and that they address that. Like you said, before the draft, you have those addressed, then you don't have to reach, uh, Gore. I like the signing, even though I don't know the need was there. So, I think all that together, I'm going to say uh, B minus for the day for the Bills, uh, just because the guys at the needs maybe weren't the guys that I wanted them to go get. Uh, but Morse, I think signing one of the top two centers puts them up there. If they don't get Morse, you're looking at a maybe a, a C minus D type of a day. But I think he ha- weights that scale so heavily that it puts him into that B minus category for me. Do you think getting an offensive tackle like a Daryl Williams will really, obviously it'll be an upgrade to the offensive line. That goes without saying, but getting a guy like him, in my opinion, really sends them to the draft. If they don't do anything else significant, if Daryl Williams is the, the, the other quote unquote impact signing from free agency, if they could get him, I really think they go into the draft because they're going to sign some death guys after that. Sure. Through sure. Free agency, but they can go into the draft. If they don't need to draft an offensive tackle with that ninth pick, I mean, you're opening it up for wide receiver, tight end, defensive line, which we've talked about several times, but haven't today. We will another time. I really feel like getting an offensive tackle right now in free agency could really set them up for going into the draft with a lot more options. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I talked about it a lot on our show months you know now that i didn't think that they're going to be able to really fix this offensive line in one off season and if you told me in the next 24 48 hours that they could really solidify two positions and then you have Deion dawkins who obviously there's a lot of questions can he be uh, a left tackle in this league legitimately for a long time but it, let's say he can and you have three of those positions uh solidified at least for the 2019 and, and into into the future i'm looking pretty happy and very happy about how things are going and i think that that would be enough to uh, curb my free agent appetite to know that going into the draft that we really have to worry about the interior guard play. But you have Spencer Long, who you also signed to right around starter money. You expect him to kind of kick into the inside. You have Wyatt Teller who's a guy a lot of people were big on last year. You kind of hope maybe he he can take that next step. But you only have really one, two positions left on that offensive line to really solidify something uh, for Josh Allen. And that's really what this whole offseason is about, is protecting him and giving him weapons. So if you check off the protection list in, in free agency, you're going to the draft just looking for weapons for Josh Allen. And that opens things up a ton. As of Monday night, there's still a good handful of wide receivers out there in free agency. I don't know if the market... Has it been set for the outside guys? The slot guys have already gotten theirs. They've gotten paid. Amendola's gone. Humphreys is gone. Crowder's gone. But you still have Golden Tate. You still have Tyrell Williams. You still have Cobb. A couple other guys out there. Beasley's out there. John Brown. Yeah, Beasley is slot guys out there. So there are still, it's not like the wide receiver market's completely dried up. In fact, it's just getting warm right now. So if the Bills do want to 
dip their foot in that water. As of Monday night, anyway, the guys I named, they're all still out there. Let me take a quick tour around the league. I'm just going to throw out a couple names and numbers with some monster freaking contracts, man. Get a quick take from you. Trent Brown to the Raiders got nearly $37 million guaranteed. I don't like saying the full contract numbers because they pretty much don't mean anything. But the guaranteed money means a lot. $37 million guaranteed. He's got four years there. Quan Alexander goes from Tampa to San Francisco. Four years, $54 million, 27 guaranteed. Landon Collins, six years to the Redskins, 45 of that guaranteed. Nick Foles, the big one. Let's stop here on Nick Foles because he got $88 million, four years, $50 million guaranteed. $50 million. Did Jacksonville overpay for his ass? That's a lot of money. Uh they're going to have to though, right? I mean, as somebody that was going to get Nick Foles was going to overpay for him. I think we all knew that. I was surprised by the number, uh, but Jacksonville, I don't know that they are the shining example of smart cap moves as we've seen with them in the past. So, who's he uh, going to throw to them? I've looked at their roster. I'm like, there's not a lot of weapons. It's not they ain't the Eagles. Yeah, it's just a lot of money. It is a ton of money, uh, but they really have to do something. I mean, you're a team that was a, a few plays away from the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. You fall off horribly because you stuck with Blake Bortles a little bit longer than you should have. They have to give their fans something. They have no real space to do a lot of stuff in the draft or in free agency. They cleared a bunch of room, get fulls. I don't know that it's the answer. To me, it doesn't seem like it's the answer, but I can kind of talk. If I was a Jaguars fan, I could talk myself into it. Look, this guy's been in the big game. He's led a team to the big game. You have a lot of pieces in place to really turn this around quickly. But you're right, man. You look at their wide receivers and stuff. They aren't the team they were two years ago. So I don't know what they're going to do to put the weapons around him to be successful. But I can see maybe how they're talking themselves into it. But their roster right now, to me, just looks like a giant conundrum uh, that Coughlin's trying to to just keep together to to compete. And I just don't see it. Adam Humphreys, that was a guy I would have liked to see in the bill sign. He went to Tennessee, got four years. $36 million. Honey Badger just signed Kansas City, three years, $42 million. I'd like to really see the details of the contract. That's that's a lot of money for him. It is a lot of money. Safeties are getting paid, man. I, real quick to kind of go over that. So my biggest thought about a lot of these guys outside of the uh, Trent Brown, I'm just happy we stayed away from that. I know a lot of Bills fans wanted to get in on that action. Not, a, I don't want to make him the highest paid player or at his position. He, I think he was a little bit of product of playing in New England. I think that you look at the line that they have there, they can just kind of put guys in and out of there. And when they go off other places, they very rarely live up to their value. And the thing that kills me is New England just churns these guys out and gets the comp picks right back. So he's got his comp, you know, Belichick's got his comp pick coming right back to him. So I don't love that. But if when you look at Quan Alexander, uh, Collins, and even Justin Coleman set record-breaking contract for a slot uh, cornerback today, it made me very happy of how the Bills are starting to build this roster because they have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde on very reasonable deals, That they, how they acquired those guys. You have Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Matt Milano on rookie deals. You have total control there. And then even in the slot cornerback position, you have Taron Johnson, another drafted guy. So where other teams are way overspending for guys that you don't know if they're going to meet their production, you have guys on total contract control and reasonable deals. And so you can focus on other areas of your team. 
team. So when I saw those signings, it made as a Bills fan, it made me happy that man, we have a lot of those positions already controlled on reasonable contracts where it doesn't matter if we overspend a couple million, uh, whatever it is for Croft or, or even Mitch Morris. I think that's where it offsets and the, the salary cap becomes more of a relative figure. Single topic, Moranalytics interest meter. I only got one for you today. We already covered football. One topic only. A-Rod, now engaged to Jennifer Lopez. What do you got? That's a, I'll say 8.6 for me, only because it spurred the Jose Canseco sweet <laughs> blast thing. And I was right into that. Jose Canseco is such a nut job that whenever he gets going yeah. on something, I find out what it's about, man. So because it spurred that other uh, ripple uh, in the internet, that the engagement uh, made me happy. That's funny. I spent 15 minutes last night going through Jose Canseco's feed on my Twitter. I do that every now and then. He put out his personal phone number on the internet. What a lunatic. (laughs) All right, everyone, check out Aaron Quinn on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. Of course, check out Cover One Premium Content. Subscribe. It is well, well worth it. You guys are busy. I'm sure you're going to only get busier. Hopefully the Bills don't do anything before people hear this in the morning so they they don't say that we missed out. I intentionally, by the way, did not mention Le'Veon Bell. I was going to ask you for a guess where he's going, but again, that might happen tonight and I don't want people to, you know, I don't want us to look stupid in the morning. Hey, I look stupid all the time, so I'm not worried about that. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Big thank you again, Josh Reed, Channel 4, Buffalo, New York. That was the first time I ever got to talk to Josh. It was fun. It was it was a good time getting to know him. Excellent storyteller. Loved that Whitey Ford story. So thanks a lot, Josh. Thanks as well to my man, Aaron Quinn. Great Buffalo Bills free agency talk. It's going to be a fun week. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. Thanks again, Aaron. Coming up on Friday's show... We'll start to have an idea of how things are unfolding. I'll have Joe Marino from the Draft Network on. We'll talk about the Buffalo Bills free agent pickups, assuming that there are some. We'll start to look ahead to the draft, all kinds of stuff like that. So looking forward to having Joe on the show Friday. Guys, if you haven't done so already, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. It's quick. It's easy. It's completely free. When you subscribe, new episodes automatically get sent directly to your phone or to your computer within just minutes of the release. That's the benefit of subscribing to the podcast. Simply put, you get it before anybody else. Usually have a new show every Tuesday and Friday. Don't forget to rate and review. Again, that really helps us out tremendously. You can find this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PatMoranTweets. And hit the like button on the Moran Analytics Podcast Facebook page. Thanks very much again for listening. Talk to you guys again on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.